0: Thank you, Wendy. It's good. How was your trip? It
1: was really good. It was, it was exciting and it was fun. And um, got to do some fun stuff when I was in California this past weekend. And it's always, okay. it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to go see weird spots in different locales.
2: For those who don't know, why don't you explain where and why you were out there?
1: The uh, International Music Software Trade Association uh, did a little festival on Saturday and I was um, hosting a songwriting contest judging panel,
2: and that was in line with the uh, ASCAP Music Expo, correct? No, this was for um, oh, this was wait, for something was, different. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was like two weeks ago. Yeah, my no, so bad.
1: That's all right. So no, but um, <clears throat> I had to judge or help judge that panel. And that was fun because that was there's some cool people at that uh Mike con- conference. Don't judge. I I had to judge because there were prizes. <laughs> Somebody's gonna win a trip to Greece. What? From that yeah. Like there's this songwriting camp in Greece at this place called Black Rock Studios. And so the IMSTA, IMSTA the the Software Trade Can Association. Um no, we, we don't the qualify. camp
2: in Greece? That sounds amazing.
1: I know it sounds great, but unfortunately, we can't enter because <sighs> um, I'm part of the company that's, judge. that sponsors the contest. But the judges, okay. we, had, we had some cool judges. We had some talented people. You remember Margaret McClure? You met her? I do, yeah. She, she was one of the judges. Cool. And then also awesome. <laughs> uh, a guy named DJ Khalil, who does a whole bunch of, he produces a whole bunch of beats and songs for guys like Eminem and Dr. Dre and things like that. So we had a a nice diverse panel of interesting people. Cool. And uh, no, it was fun. So that was a a cool event. And that was on Saturday. And that meant that I could spend some of the other time checking out some of the weird stuff in California. And there is a lot of weird stuff in
2: California. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've heard that before, but... <laughs> I haven't seen it with my own eyes, so
1: yeah. So I mean, we're gonna
2: talk today about a, a few of the the historical and um, haunted places that are out in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, t- I
1: thought today would be good to talk about the ghosts of Hollywood Boulevard. Cool. So that kind of central stretch, okay, um, would be fun to talk about. And so I was reading some stuff on when I was looking for haunted places and weird things, and. Uh, one article said that for their money, they would bet that, um, Hollywood Boulevard has the most ghosts
2: per square mile of anywhere in Los Angeles. Wow. Well, that, well, okay. In Los Angeles. But I mean, yeah, LA is a pretty big city. Yeah, it's, it, one of the biggest. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people there.
1: Okay. So I thought it'd be just great to, um, like walk down the street and uh talk about some of the things i was seeing as i was walking past the places and and talk about the ghost stories and stuff like that so
2: a little audio uh yeah what's that called like a a, travel log yeah travel log okay cool
1: a travel log and i also wanted to scope it out because i do a 20 mile run on sunday when i was there 20
2: miles are you insane yeah no i i'm I'm training The (laughs) Minneapolis
1: marathon is in a week and a half
2: oh my gosh everybody if you hear this in a week and a half, Mike's going to be running an insane amount of miles. If you want to wish him luck, you can send him a tweet at Sunspot Mike. Yes, please do. Please do. You help. can let him know how totally insane he
1: is for <laughs> be doing the guy, this. I'll be the guy talking about how my legs aren't working.
2: No, that's great. I, I respect I respect it because I can't do it. And I find it very amazing for people to, to have that kind of willpower and um, dedication to the training and everything that goes into it. So. Well, Wendy, you can
1: do it. All you got to do is do the miles. <laughs> That That's really, the problem. <laughs> that really is. Well, I, um, I started training actually a six-week training program for this. So this is the shortest I've ever trained for a marathon.
2: But and you're I, a marathon vet though, Mike. I've done, You've, I've, I've done 2 You've done them before.
1: But I've done like 12 to 16 weeks of training beforehand. Mm-hmm. So this was a, a 12-week program that I found online. There's actually a coach at UCLA that was like, they call it the It's Not Too Late program. <laughs> and so I thought I'd give it a try. Um. And it was exactly six weeks to the Minneapolis marathon when I decided wow. to start. So I was like, hey, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's start the summer off with some physical fitness.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Working Very exciting. On, working well, congratulations. On my, working on my fitness. I mean, the fitness. fact that, the fact that you ran 20 miles when you were in LA, like when you were, you know, out there for, for work and you had other things going on. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. 20 miles is a long distance. You could get from like one side of Madison to the other.
1: Well, 20 miles you could get from my apartment on the West side of Madison if you if I run all the way um, down past Willie Street to like Old Brick Park and back, that's 20 right. miles. So
2: for those who don't know Madison, that it, basically what I just said, which was you could get from one side of Madison to the other. You can get from the west side to the east side. Yeah, that's a, I mean, okay, so 20 miles pretty impressive
1: that was yeah that was fun uh that was a fun thing and i ran down hollywood and i ran on sunset boulevard cool all that you know past all the tourists and all the excitement and it was a good time
2: and i bet the weather was nicer for running there because like last night i had to bring my plants in i had my little potted flowers outside and there was like a frost warning that you know oh it was cold huh all the things might die if you don't bring them in so i had to (laughs) haul everything into the garage and Keep it safe.
1: Well, it was hot during the day, but then it was chilly at night. Desert. Yep that that is the desert, and so I had to wear a jacket when I went out at night. Anyway, it was fun. Um, good. Los, Los Angeles is always a good time, and uh, it was a it was a cool thing. And so, um, you know, I was just when I was thinking about things that we could do for the podcast this week, and when I read that this particular area that I was standing in had the most ghosts per capita. I figured we should talk about some of that and maybe so that anybody who's planning on going to visit Hollywood anytime soon uh, might want to take a listen and, uh, you know, visit some of these places themselves, maybe go more in depth, maybe bring one of those like ghost boxes or e-meters or whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. For their own little investigation.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you did a little recording of yourself talking at these places and we're going to share that with everybody. Um, so we're going to, we're going to go through a few of the the sites, well, several of the sites actually, and, um, it'll be sort of a little guide through Hollywood.
1: Yeah. And not, and, and even we even get to the seedy side of Hollywood
2: too. So it's, it's, so so it's, wait, wait, there's a side that isn't seedy.
1: Yes. No, I mean, there's a side. Okay. So when you think about that area, if you ever watch Jimmy Kimmel live or anybody that watches Jimmy Kimmel live, when they go out and they start talking to people on the street, they're talking to people on Hollywood Boulevard. They're talking to the tourists. Because there's always, a, I mean, a million tourists. One time I went out there and there was a busload of, uh, like, Korean Christians who had just come to talk to preach to people. And they were sitting there saying, Jesus loves you and, like, signs and um, and doing the whole thing. And I, I saw a couple of preachers. There were some preachers there on... uh. Friday night, so mm-hmm. yeah. always, yeah.
2: So if you want to, so to get that, and then pers- the TMZ yeah. bus bus rolls by, and everybody everybody trying to get pictures of like the famous people, <laughs> right? And um,
1: I didn't I didn't have too many famous sightings, at least not when I was out when I was uh, walking doing the podcast, because that would be the, the first thing I would do is I would attack some celebrity and be like, Have you ever seen a ghost? that you know and that's all i'd care about it's like oh i loved you i loved you and have you ever seen a ghost and that would be the movie that i'd be interested in them seeing you know
2: yes well i mean when you're in la there's a good there's a very high likelihood of of seeing a celebrity in fact last time the two of us were there together we saw um william hurt yes we did see but william hurt i i didn't ask him if he had seen a ghost so maybe next time. Yes, and we saw him right after we went to the Santa Monica
1: Pier, which has its own ghost story. That's right.
2: And that'll uh, we'll have to save that for a
1: different time when we talk about the ghosts of Malibu.
2: All right. Well, why don't we get into it? I mean, there's a sure. lot of there's a lot of stuff here for everybody to hear, so
1: Okay. To, well, to what kind of set first this up, stop on your- um I was I uh, I was walking down I went down to Hollywood and Vine, which is a very famous cross street. Okay. And uh, I talk about one of the ghost stories that's happening in Hollywood and Vine. Let me take a listen.
2: Okay, here we go.
1: And here is where we start
3: our Ghosts of Hollywood Boulevard on Hollywood and Vine, Um, a famous corner.
1: Uh, Also, Cece DeVille from Poison made a, a great song here in his band called Samantha
3: Seven called Hollywood and Vine. But uh, it's still in the theater, and uh, still an interesting place. But the ghost that's supposed to roam this area is Lon Chaney, the man of a thousand faces uh, from the silent era
1: and Phantom of the Opera. His son would go on to play uh, the wolfman, most famously. And they say that Lon Chaney sat at these bus benches and waited for the buses to take him to various auditions that never really worked out so in death he still sits at the
3: bus benches but right now i'm at the corner watching a million cars go by and um there is no one interesting at these bus benches
0: just to let you know
2: Mike, it sounds like you're in the middle of the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I am. No, there's cars flying
1: <laughs> by and stuff. Like, I was looking at the bus benches. I was hoping to even see an interesting homeless guy or something like that. Oh, like, goodness. Um, but there, no, not, out, not out at that point.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine that, although I don't doubt there are sightings. I mean, I've been to Hollywood Boulevard and it's it's there's so much commotion and things going on that I, I would think that you know you, to, to catch something like that, outside of the all the other distractions would be kind of a challenge. <laughs> yes, I, I think
1: so. And it would have to be, I mean, you'd have to be paying attention for somebody just hanging out at the bench, just waiting around for, right. you know, and never getting on the right. bus and looking like he's wearing, you know, clothing from the 1920s mm-hmm. and then also disappearing. Like, that would be the thing. Like, you see a guy, the bus... To pay is, that close of attention. Yeah. So, uh, no, but that was a fun, you know, a fun little thing. I was like, oh, Lon Chaney and... Uh, Lon Chaney Jr., The Wolfman, Lon Chaney, The Phantom of the Opera. Um, you know, he would legendarily, like, he wouldn't use that many makeup effects and stuff. They said that he could achieve uh, these horrific faces wow.
2: just through. That's impressive.
1: Like, little things he would do to himself and his jaw and things he'd put in his mouth and stuff wow. like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, he, and he, still, he still hangs around Hollywood and Vine today. And so, right up the street from that is our, our next ghost story. And we can talk about some more stories from that, but let's do the introduction. Let's, let's play it right now and sure. see what are my thoughts as I'm looking at it.
2: So, wait, wait where's the place?
1: Oh, this is the, uh, the Pantages Theater.
2: Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's take a listen. Okay.
1: And our second Hollywood and Vine ghost is Howard Hughes. That's right, the guy that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio played in The Aviator. And uh, The Pantages is a a theater that uh, he built and hosted the Academy Awards. And uh, Howard Hughes is reputed to still
3: hang out inside the theater. And theaters are always great for haunted stuff. Uh, because of the actors that had gone in there,
1: the people that work there, the blood, sweat, and tears that all come out of the people who uh, give their lives for their art. Uh, but Howard Hughes, interesting guy. Crazy. But this is the place where he still roams the aisles of the theater, even in his death.
2: Well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you know, I think the, um, there's a couple more ghost stories that I looked up afterwards. Okay. And, and one is about a, a female presence, also calls the theater home. Ooh. And this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica, actually, it has a whole haunted Hollywood section. And uh, I'll just say it. Back in 1932, a female patron died in the mezzanine during a show. After some time passed, when the auditorium was dark and quiet, the voice of a woman could be heard singing sometimes in the day, other times late at night after everyone had gone home. So employees at the theater developed a theory about it that the unfortunate young woman who died in the theater may have been an aspiring singer who'd come to see one of the musicals so popular in the 1930s and that when she died there, she's living out her dream at performing at the theater
2: um, by singing in her death. That's really cool, but it's incredibly sad at the same time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but that's, uh, I mean... I think the entire story of the dream factory that is Hollywood um, yeah. is, there's a lot of sad stories, sad, exploited people. Um, right. Dreams that people. never came true. <laughs> uh, you know, people that left their homes, left their families just to go yeah. fail. I, That's well, terrible. I, yeah. That sounds horrible. I mean, it's like, yeah, just like to go for you know,
2: um, and also but just the idea of someone who was, Had that huge dream and never even had the chance to like, really attempt. Like she was, she was there, you know, getting inspired. Like how many times have we gone to concerts and seen musicians and been like, "Oh, this is amazing!"
1: Right? I want to see that. You know, I want to, I want to be just like that. Yeah. Let's say you died at that show and then you're stuck at some theater, just singing for nobody.
2: Hopefully, hopefully it was a good show at
1: least. (laughs) Right. She didn't see some, you know, crap matinee. Um, Oh, I don't
2: know why that makes me really depressed, but
1: okay. There's, a, there's another good story, though, that there was a wardrobe lady who got lost in the theater when it was all dark. And as she was fumbling towards the exits, uh, she was thrown into complete darkness. And somebody grabbed her elbow, helped her up, and then guided her towards the door. And once she opened the door and let some light in, she saw
2: that there was nobody there. Oh.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank you.
2: First of all, thank you for making that a nice ghost story. That's going to happen
1: in your home tonight, Wendy.
2: I'm not going to get lost in here. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying there's I'm just I'm just trying to scare you. I mean, when you first started telling the story, like I'm just imagining being in a theater in the dark, lost. Can you think of anything so scary? Like (laughs) like theaters are really scary. And yeah, especially when they're old and stuff. So I was I was like, okay, I don't like where this is going. But then the fact that the ghost was nice and friendly and helped, that made me happy. <laughs> right. Um, even though it's it's also creepy at the end when they realize like nobody's there and it is an actual right. ghost. But at least it's a friendly presence that's that's there to you know guide and and be kind and.
1: I guess I'd be a lot more scared well, if it was a porn theater. Oh, like geez. slipping and falling. You're like ah, Mike.
2: That's oh no I. Whatever I've done to get myself to this point in my life, I've lost. But the thing is, the theaters are easy to get, they are easy to get lost in. I mean, remember that time? Okay, the Overture Center in Madison?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When we were looking for a way to get to the um, stage?
2: The, it, it was like Spinal Tap. Like the, ba- the, the passageways and chambers underneath there, I had no idea. It's like a whole world under there. It's like a, like an ant farm. Yeah, we, we just kept like on a walking like
1: one of these, like the stage is this yeah. way, right?
2: And you take one turn, and you're like, "Oh, whoops! I'm in a changing room, and somebody's, you know, like half naked, getting ready with some weird costume." And then you're like, Back out and go in the next way, and then you you take a right turn, and then there's somebody like tuning up their instrument. It's like, what is? How many little weird rooms are there in this place? And and I mean, we we had we had lighting. We had the advantage of lighting. So right. just imagining trying to like navigate the in the dark. And you're probably, like, scared and your heart's beating really fast already. And then suddenly, you know, you you feel a hand that grabs you and starts to to guide you. And At least it's a nice hand, though. No, I mean, I think that's that's great. It's a hand of friendship. The assumption would be that it's a person. And then when you realize afterwards there's no one there, then (laughs) it's it's a little... I mean, it, it makes the spine tingle a bit, but it's still... Pretty awesome that there's a there's a presence of whatever kind that's kind and and helpful, like <laughs> right. there for you.
1: Yeah, so that's all right. So I mean that yeah that may have been Howard Hughes himself trying to help somebody out and it could have been I mean the thing is then you turn around and it's how like it's Leonardo DiCaprio taking you out. <laughs> and he's like, I remember you love me. I remember you thought I was so oh, cute gosh. and Titanic and he just gives you a little peck in the cheek and I'm says you're the you king goodbye. of
0: the world. Right. <laughs>
2: You're like, remember when I was a heartthrob, ladies? No, 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 no. This is not about Leonardo DiCaprio. This not yet. He's still alive. Hollywood. Hollywood. Old Hollywood. Okay. Right. So so that's a cool story. So that was, no, so that was, a, that was a
1: fun thing. And so I was just walking around. I was wandering around outside of it. And then you have to wander down a, a little bit of ways to get to uh, the next stop, which is at Hollywood and Highland. And so that is, Hollywood and Highland is where the um, Kodak Theater was. That's where they used to have the Academy Awards. Um, that, it's where Lowe's Hotel with res, re, rena, used to be the oh, Renaissance
2: yeah. Hotel. And and a big and, shopping mall.
1: Yeah, it's a big shopping mall with all the Egyptian
2: stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really kind of weird, but cool. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. And it, it, I did some shopping there when we it, were there last time. Yeah, no. I went. I,
1: I bought a belt at the Hot Topic last time I was.
2: I got a sport. dress at that Hot Topic.
1: Yeah, and and uh, then <laughs> that belt I tried to return it to the Hot Topic in Madison because like one of the it was a studded belt, you know, one of the studs came off, and and the girl at the Hot Topic in Madison wouldn't take it. And you know she's like fifteen or whatever, and like the she's like, well, we don't even know you bought it at Hot Topic. I'm like, it's I way it to her and, yeah, I'm way too California for here. It says "hot topic" on the belt. Like I bought it like last week. Um, anyway, Mike,
2: it was clearly not a Wisconsin style. Okay,
1: <laughs> I, I don't guess. Don't
2: blame it wasn't. The, don't blame the the girl on hot topic. It's it's oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but it was, no. I just um. Any anyway, that mall is cool. That mall ha- is great because it's half outdoors, and you can have outdoor malls when you're in a climate well, you- that allows for sunshine all the time and.
1: Well, when you don't have winter, it's like when you're watching like shows about like high schools and stuff, and you're seeing like all these people walk around outside, like all these high schoolers walk around outside, and you're like, "Why are I they mean, walking around outside? Like, what are it's they?" It's called nine hundred two one zero. It's like, how do they? What do you mean they get to go outside? Like, we never got to go outside. Like, Quantico High School was a prison.
2: Yeah. No, no, no. I know. It, it's Wisconsin. Okay, we're we're getting bitter now. Let, we're, let's we're
1: getting bitter about the weather, get, and it's summertime, <laughs> so we point. shouldn't be bitter because just right? it's a little chilly.
2: Just because I had to bring my plants in last night. Just c- I heard it's going to be nice on for May Bratfest this weekend. Nineteenth. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But we'll
1: make sure yes. we talk about
2: Broadfest in, yes. in a minute. Yes. Um, the Festival of Bratwurst. Okay. So Hollywood and Highland, where the mall is and the Kodak Theater, and isn't that where like isn't that American Idol or one of those shows?
1: That's right, American Idol. When I say the- you're going to Hollywood, on American Idol. That's the theater. You go. You go there, and that's you go. That's you go to that hotel, and that's where they had the. A lot of the auditions and stuff like that. So let's let's see what I I don't even remember what I said when I was there.
2: So let's let's take a bad. listen. All right, uncensored. Here we go, folks.
1: All right. Well, this stop on the Ghosts of Hollywood Boulevard is at Hollywood and Highland, and uh, it is the site of the old Hollywood Hotel. Right now at Hollywood and Highland, uh, it's a huge mall. It's also um, adjacent to the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel and that used to be the Renaissance and so that's where on American Idol when people would say you're going to Hollywood that's where they'd all be actually going to the Renaissance Hotel and that's where they would do all the uh, stuff in LA after the uh, searches on American Idol but so now it's a massive like
3: there is big like Egyptian and Middle Eastern and probably uh, Babylonian uh, symbols that are
1: on the big towers on the multiple levels of Hollywood and Highland. And this is probably the the place where most people come to go see the Hollywood sign. Uh, You can see it from many of the levels here. And there's a place to take a scenic picture of the Hollywood sign from the Hollywood and Highland Mall. So,
3: what's the haunting here? Well, at the site of the old Hollywood Hotel... Mm -hmm is where the famous silent screen actor Rudolf Valentino this is the place that he is reputed to
1: haunt now Rudolf Valentino was born in 1895 in Italy then came to the United States and became uh, the world's first cinematic heartthrob so I mean think about what the Coreys were Corey Feldman
3: um, and uh Corey Haim in the 1980s, they just, girls loved him. And uh, Rudolph Valentino was the first real cinematic heartthrob. Um, You might
1: picture him uh, as the chic with the turban on. I mean, even though he wasn't, you know, Middle Eastern, but he was dark and mysterious and Italian. And um, he died from complications of appendicitis. Uh, Very early on, 1926. I mean, that's even before the Oscars was 1926. So that's when Rudolph Valentino died. Died very young, 31 years old. And a life not quite finished. The site of the Hollywood Hotel, which is here at Hollywood Highland, was the place that uh, he haunted. And people said that they saw the sheik. Wandering through the hotel at different times, but today I'm on a sunny day. I'm walking through the middle of it. I'm looking at the palm trees and a a big sign for Jurassic World with Chris Pratt on it, and um, the Cabo Wabo Cantina. Hot topic
3: is a Hard Rock. I mean, this is not quite the spooky place uh, that the Hollywood Hotel might be, but this is one of the locations on the ghosts of Hollywood Boulevard.
1: Yeah, so Rudolph Valentino, like, he's a name that some people might know and most probably don't, because it's been, you know, 90 years since he was a star. Wow. Uh, But I thought it was fun. Uh, Number one, it's just such an interesting place because of the imagery of the mall, and then the idea that it used to be a, uh, you know, used to be a hotel there and stuff like that, and that's where Rudolph Valentino still shows up. That's and cool. Right down from Hollywood and Highland is, of course, Grauman's Chinese Theater.
2: Oh yeah,
1: world famous. Now we were there, Wendy. We I, I went. The, we should tell people that this is a, this is a podcast. You're going to want to look at the show notes for because I've got <laughs> pictures of the places that
2: we went. And then I was going to say I know I have pictures from there because I was I was I think that was the first time I had actually visited it and okay so it, it was it was extra fun I was kind of the the stereotypical tourist getting all the pictures you know
1: and i've I've got like a picture of like us and like Andy Cohen we're putting our hands in the the Star Trek <laughs> yeah like all the Star Trek handprints
2: <laughs> right and
1: uh, so I think those are the ones we'll put up in the show notes and stuff for everybody to check out but Grandma's Chinese is a famous place um I've got another ghost story for us after we listen to the one that I heard about when I was there. Ooh. And here's a little, now here's a little setup introduction. Now, when you're walking down this area, you have people dressed like, uh, <laughs> you have people dressed, you know, it's kind of like, like
2: Mario Nine and Square. Luigi and like,
1: yeah, there's Pokemon Batman, and, you know, and, Batman and, um, superheroes yeah. And everybody dressed up like, you know, super to get your picture taken with a star. There's, you know, there's a Marilyn Monroe and, you know, everybody's dressed up like a star to get your picture taken with them.
2: So you leave a tip and they a lot of people earn their money that way.
1: That's right. And that's how they, that's how these starving actors keep going. <laughs> that's right. So let's see um, what I was doing at the
2: Grammys Chinese Theater, shall we? Oh, goodness. Now I'm curious. Yes, let's.
3: Okay, and in Tourist Central is Grauman's Chinese Theater. That's the place where everybody puts down their handprints in front of the theater. And, uh, well, it's great. I
1: mean, every, like, you watch Spider-Man and Batman, I'm I'm watching the, the entire Avengers, um hang out and try to get their pictures taken with people, but that's not as good as before uh, when I saw uh, Freddy Krueger,
3: Wolverine, and uh, uh, frank from Rocky Horror Picture Show hanging out trying to get their pictures taken, and that was hilarious. So, the ghost story about Grandma's Chinese Theater is based on a character actor named Victor Killian who lived about 10 minutes away from here, and he was murdered in his home. And so he is still said to roam the grounds of the Chinese theater looking for his murderer. I saw a lot of old guys out here. None of them seemed vengeful. Most of them just seemed lost.
1: So there's a a vengeful ghost roaming Grauman's Chinese theater. Wow,
2: that's kind of creepy.
1: Yeah. And, um... Then, there's another story uh, that we'll link to, and uh, it's about how this guy was getting a private tour of Grandma's Chinese in 1992, and he said, I'll quote him, Just as I arrived, our guide out of the blue said, this place is so haunted. And where I had stood, a section of the heavy ceiling to floor drape was violently shaking. We could see the impressions of unseen hands in the velvet as it jerked back and forth hard. We stared in silence until I stammered the classic phrase, do you see what I see? And all five of us said yes. I felt tremendous anger from the shaking that someone was telling me I'd invaded his territory. It was meant to frighten me. It did. And I ran for the lottery.
2: Oh man, I love the imagery of the velvet getting crushed with handprints in it. That's crazy.
1: Somebody's coming.
2: And then... That's cool. And I have goosebumps right now too.
1: And so he was hoping it was the ghost of Sid Grauman, the guy that developed the theater back in the 1920s. And um, Why
2: would he be angry, though?
1: I don't know. He asked the employee about it, and the employee said, oh, you mean Fritz. Fritz Mm. worked for the theater, um, and that's the legend that they have, that he hanged himself inside. And that's kind of a classic story about people that, you know, working in theaters, somebody hanged themselves inside the theater. I
2: mean, yeah, because that, that seems like a legend that could easily be confirmed or refuted, right? I mean... Right.
1: I mean, they have that, that about evidence the, somewhere. the Majestic in Madison has a guy that hanged himself inside the theater.
0: Hmm.
1: And so that is a, a, a popular story, but um, that's one of the tales that they tell at Grauman's Chinese Theater. Hmm. And uh, that's where I visited. So cool. just a block down from Grauman's Chinese is the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And and we've been to the Hollywood Roosevelt, Wendy.
2: <laughs> yes, we have. I, I recall. I do recall. <laughs> you had a fun experience there in the, in the men's room. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, in the men's room. Okay. So just to, Okay, this, that sounded weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a weird experience in the men's room. No, it, it wasn't like at an airport or something. No, it was... Um, oh. I, I was uh, just going to the bathroom... And I walk into the bathroom, and there's a guy sitting at the sink, and he does this like gigantic rail of cocaine, like, and just, and just you just let and he's like, and then he puts his face under the sink and starts slapping his sides of his, you know, and he's like, yeah, and it's, just, it's, it's
2: so stereotypical Los Angeles. Like, I although I would have guessed maybe a couple decades ago right and you know, this, hey, yeah maybe he was a ghost he right the, the ghost of 80s coke snorters past i don't the know the ghost
1: of coke heads past that's that was the that was the um story of uh that charles dickens didn't include in the christmas carol he's like well i was gonna have the ghost of coke heads past but it just didn't work in the story um okay and so this one's a little more quiet because I was inside okay. at the, um, you know, we have the big chandelier and I'll put up a picture of the big okay. chandelier that yeah, I Yeah, that, that place we is pretty
2: impressive, actually.
3: It's
1: beautiful. Yeah, and it's dark and it's weird uh, and it's fun. So let's take
2: a listen. Okay, here we go.
3: So now we've come to the Roosevelt Hotel, which is uh, unusual on the, the Hollywood Boulevard just because it looks so old, you know, an old sign. It looks like it could have came out of a, a classic Hollywood movie as compared to everything else on the street, which, I mean, is new and all, you know, tourist centered and neon and flashy and everything like that. Here you have a just a big um, ancient looking building in the middle of all this stuff. And when you go in, it's classier. It's elegant. Um, it's completely dark. <laughs> I mean, you walk in the hotel, and it can be, you know, noon and completely lit up and beautiful outside. And then when you walk in, it's you know it, it's like walking into a haunted house because it's pretty dark. Um, you walk up to the you know the the main uh, area to hang out and and the and the bar, and there's a gorgeous chandelier and places to sit down and a little fountain, and it just looks. Really classy. It looks like the kind of place they'd shoot a movie in the 1950s. But the 1950s are where our most famous ghost stories come from. So, in this place, um, you have rumored to be the ghost of Marilyn Monroe, who uh, would stay in a poolside suite, number 1200. And people say they could see Marilyn in a full length mirror. Um, And uh, they would be in that room, and sometimes she would appear in the mirror to them. Well, they moved that mirror down to the lower level, and I wasn't able to find it when I was walking around the place. But the other ghost uh, that people say they see at the Hollywood Roosevelt is of someone who did work with Marilyn Monroe, Montgomery Clift. He worked with her on her last movie, The Misfits, And uh, she famously said there's only one person who's more screwed up than I am, and that's Montgomery Clift. Um, After a car accident in 1956, he needed to have plastic surgery. Um, I mean, he was a heartthrob and everything like that. But uh, to get over what happened after his car accident, alcohol and painkillers, the deadly duo. I mean, he started to get into it and slowly just kind of wasted his life away. But before the accident, he stayed at the Hollywood Roosevelt um, and studied all of his lines for From Here to Eternity, that famous movie, if you've ever seen that, um, Burt Lancaster making out on the beach in Hawaii. It's you know a beautiful scene. Um, it's famous and something they show in a lot of uh, retrospectives and things like that. That's From Here to Eternity, a World War II movie, great film. And while he was preparing for that, uh, he had lived at the Roosevelt Hotel for three months. And room 928 on the ninth floor, people say they've seen him pacing around, playing a trumpet, and trying to learn his lines. So if you're ever there on the ninth floor and you see a man trying to learn his lines, that's Montgomery Clift, they say. Also, there's supposed to be a cold spot in the ballroom. um, And that's where the first Academy Awards took place. But... Uh the Hollywood Roosevelt is a it's a great place to visit for a drink. Uh if you visit because it's completely different than anywhere else um in this area on Hollywood Boulevard, and that's what makes it kind of special and kind of fun.
2: And okay. we did have a drink there. We had a drink there with some friends of ours from um out west. Yes, we <laughs> and, did. And it was quite charming. I have to say it was very uh elegant and it just kind of kind of took you back to those days the Marilyn Monroe, the, you know. It seems people. glamorous instead yeah, of flashing. guys wearing suits and drinking martinis and um, that type of environment, which was, it's fun. It's fun to be in that because it's rare nowadays.
1: Yeah, so that, the Hollywood Roosevelt's a cool place. So stop in there when you have a drink, when you go by. And um, as far as the main touristy area, that kind of is the end of the ghost stories uh, in that. And you got to go down a little ways to get to the next one. And that's actually uh, near where I stayed, Um, Hollywood and Western, which is where I I stayed in that area this weekend. And so I'm going to post some pictures. So on Friday, I just asked the the girl at the front. I was like, hey, I got to go for a six-mile run today. Where should I go? So on Friday, she's like, well, just go up the street. Griffith Park is right there. And I'm like, great. So I just start running and don't realize that it's a gigantic hill.
2: <laughs> you know, you, you run up the hill. You can see yeah, the, the observatory has to be up high. Yes, right?
1: and it is, it is up high. Very high. I've heard,
2: it's, I've heard it's pretty awesome too.
1: It is. And so I, I ran all the way up there and uh, we have the pictures and the show notes and stuff. And I didn't know it at the time, but Griffith Park is a haunted place as well. So the guy that gave it its namesake, Griffith J. Griffith, which his parents were obviously very um, original in naming their child. Um, he gave Los Angeles the land the park that sits on, and <clears throat> he gave him the money to build the Griffith Observatory, but he was also a drunk that shot his wife. Oh. And so yeah, he did a um, what the? Yeah, he did a couple of years in prison for that. Jeez. and um, but before that, the land was supposedly cursed. It was owned by a man named Don Antonio Feliz, who was supposed to bequeath the park to his niece, Donna Petronia, but he gave it to another man instead. So she cursed the park, and it's said that her, her curse resulted in cattle dying and crops being destroyed by fire, and then the land was eventually sold to Griffith, who gave it to the city. And people say they can see her ghost haunting the park.
2: The, Hell hath the, no fury. Right.
1: Like a, like a niece scorned. Yeah. And so um, one of the legends is about Picnic Table 29. You two young lovers, Rand Garrett and Nancy Jensen. Whoa. And they were um, doing what lovers like to do on top of a picnic table on Halloween 1976. So that's right before I was born. So that's exciting. You know, they probably were celebrating that I was coming back. Was coming here, and <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But they were on top of the picnic table getting it on, and then a tree fell over and killed them.
0: Oh,
2: what? A, well, I guess if you gotta go, yep. So you're having
1: uh, fun when it happens. Numerous people reported spooky happenings by that area, uh, particularly when anyone tries to remove the tree, which still sits on the picnic table to this day.
2: Oh, like have- the fallen down tree is still there? Yeah. Yeah, they say the tree
1: is still there. Come I didn't on, see picnic really? table. I I was running around and I didn't see picnic table twenty nine, but I did see a bunch of picnic tables and there was some trees down. Um I don't know <sighs> if any of them this is like
2: forty years ago.
1: Right. So it seems to me like they probably would remove the tree unless right. it was too
2: spooky when they tried to remove it. Okay. Fair enough. Good point.
1: And also uh people say they've seen the ghost of Peg Entwistle, who is yes, an actress. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, uh, she killed herself uh, by jumping from the Hollywood sign when she was only 24. And she left it behind a note in her purse that read, I am afraid. I am a coward. I am sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain.
2: Oh, that just makes me want to weep. That's horrible. <clears throat> That's really tragic.
1: Yes. So Peg Entwistle, killing herself, people say that they still see her Wandering around near uh, the Hollywood sign, Griffith Park, and uh, anyway, I took a nice run through there. Uh, the most, the scariest thing about my run was the hills. I did not realize there would be so many hills, <laughs> so
0: okay, that was the scariest well, thing
1: for me.
2: I'm glad the ghosts of Hollywood didn't, uh,
1: didn't sabotage
2: your 20 mile run.
1: Yeah, and so I mean the last, <sighs> the, the last stop of my Friday tour of Hollywood Boulevard um i went out with a friend of ours uh i had a dinner and a couple of drinks with a friend of ours who shall not be named in case uh this is incriminating for him but um we were talking we were just hanging out having dinner and we were talking he's like hey you know uh that seventh veil place that they talk about La Cruz? girls 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 is right down the street <laughs> and i'm like what and uh, I'm like, well, I got to visit that because, Motley, you know, Motley Crue destination. When I was in Paris, I made sure I, I got my picture taken in front of the crazy horse. <laughs> nice. So, um, no, we went out and we checked out the Seventh Veil, which I discovered is the world's most disgusting strip club. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is. It is horrible. You've um, been to
2: enough to know, to super... To, to superlative been, that place.
1: I've been to enough bachelor parties in enough, you know, like crap towns
2: and, and stuff In enough like disgusting strip clubs.
1: To know that this place takes the record for a gentleman's club that okay. was just so disgusting. So I'm not going to argue. Urban legend holds that the neon sign blinking outside the seventh veil on sunset served as the inspiration for the Motley Crue song, Girls, Girls, Girls. And history tells us that parts of the music video were filmed there. Um... But when you get there, it's just uh, skeezy. Like it's that's nasty. Yeah, it wasn't classy at all. Like it's not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just not going to recommend it to anybody. <laughs> okay. It wasn't the place to want to spend a lot of time. The seventh right veil. Then. Like and they play well, girls, this... girls, they play girls, girls, girls all the time.
2: Which is great, but how does this relate into? The paranormal. I'm just, well, just, just curious.
1: With, okay, just the name Seventh Veil. Or is this veil, just a
2: pop culture thing?
1: Yeah, it's kind of, a pop cult, kind of a pop culture thing. But the term the Seventh Veil not only comes from an Oscar winning movie from the 1940s called The Seventh Veil, um, okay. it's also a biblical reference. Oh, and so really? it's probably one of the few gentlemen's entertainment establishments to have such a pedigree. Oscar Wilde, who wrote The Picture of Dorian Gray. Yes,
2: I think one of the creepiest stories I've ever read.
1: Yeah, as well as The Canterville Ghost. So, he himself is no stranger to paranormal fiction. He wrote a play called Salome. And the story about Salome is that King Herod asked her to perform a dance at his wedding to uh, when he wed her mother. And he convinced her that for the dance, she should ask for John the Baptist's head. Now, yeah. King Herod was like the guy that was in charge of Galilee. He was like one of the Roman governors uh, of the area. And uh, he hated John the Baptist because John the Baptist was a like a religious muckraker in his area area, and John the Baptist didn't like the fact that King Herod was marrying his uh, half brother's wife or former wife, and so King Herod arrested him and then cut his head off and there's a ton of like medieval pictures of like John the Baptist's head on like a plate and stuff like that so uh. Oscar Wilde inter- introduced the com- concept of the seventh veil into the story because he had Salome perform something called the Dance of the Seven Veils. And uh, that dance, you know, the, the name of her dance wasn't mentioned in any story, but it's based on Middle Eastern dances where the girls had veils. And okay. if, we, if we go back to the Oriental Theater and also the Egyptian Theater, which is on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, I
2: remember that place. Yeah, yeah
1: it's right next to the Pig and Whistle where we played. And so in the 19th right. so in the, uh, in the late 19th century and early 20th century, they called it Orientalism was just Mm -hmm. a really popular thing. I mean, the Egyptian theater was being built before they actually found King Tut's tomb. So he, he was trying to cash in on like the excitement of Egyptology and stuff like that. Um, and that mysteriousness of the Orient.
2: That's uh, very interesting because I, I kind of wondered, you know, when I saw that shopping mall with the big, <laughs> like, you know, the Sphinx and the... <laughs> right. What's
1: all the Egypt stuff doing I, here? What, like, this, it, Egypt it just is seems thousands of miles away.
2: Right. Exactly. And then, like you said, the um, Egyptian theater and the Oriental theater and all those... So this is, this is all coming together for me now. But, I mean, the strip club. Right. <laughs> as, but the, you, as you said, the world's most disgusting strip club. Yeah, the
1: Seventh Veil is, <laughs> it, is the same kind of... Ties into and, that. Ties into that. So that entire area, when they were building this area of Hollywood, when they were built, you know, creating the buildings and, and creating all of these famous places, what they were doing was just uh, trying to cash in on this craze of Orientalism and mysteriousness in the early twentieth century. And uh, that's why they designed the buildings like that. So that's why all there's right. an Oriental theater on Hollywood Boulevard, an Egyptian theater on Hollywood Boulevard. So that's where it all kinda comes together
2: in the ghosts of Hollywood Boulevard. Indeed. So I'm dying to know. Yes. When you were at all these places, did you feel anything weird? Did you I mean you said you didn't see anything unusual, but did you did you have any kind of uh I don't know, like intuition or feeling of like, Oh, maybe there's some other kinds of people on the other side of the.
1: (laughs) Sure. Did I feel anything? Well, the Roosevelt hotel gives you, gives you that feeling, gives you a feeling of otherness.
2: I'll say I I do recall. I mean, even just thinking about it now and that was what, three, four years ago. um, Do you recall only two? Oh, only two. (laughs) feels like longer ago, but I still remember, I mean, even after a few cocktails, (laughs) I I still clearly remember that, that, that very like vintage kind of, um, just, just a feeling of lots has gone on here, you know, the the sense that you're
1: going into another, like another time, I think is the best way to put it. It's like, it's like walking into a time machine
2: and that's a uh, neat, that's a neat and unique kind of feeling to get nowadays, especially because there's so many, you know, so many places have been redone and rebuilt over and remade to, to match the modern times. So it's, it's neat to walk into one of those old kind of vintage places and to get that feeling of, I could, I could see, you know, I I kind of feel what it felt like to be like one of those movie stars back in the fifties or whatever. And here with my martini and
1: (laughs) right, you know, all dressed up and everybody's, you know, looking at each other and smoking unfiltered cigarettes and, or through a holder or something like that. Right. And, um, And you know, I, I I didn't get that feeling. But one of the feelings I did get was, um, you know, the people around you when you're there. Um, like there's the tourists and stuff like that. But then there's everybody's working. There's the waitstaff and, and you know, it's the most beautiful waitstaff on the planet. <laughs> of and, course. <laughs> and it's because everybody's going for something. Everybody is, you know, they want to be famous. They want to be in the movies. They want to be in music. They want to, you know, they want a, a little um, a little piece of that. They're- they're trying,
2: yeah, and they're trying hard in an industry that's the most competitive, difficult, or one of the most, you know, yeah, in in the competitive world, competitive and difficult industries in the world. So it's it's very commendable, or very, I guess, I don't know, maybe not commendable. <laughs> but, and I think it's fun to be around so many people who
1: are going for it. Yeah, and um, I think that's that's the song this week. Kind of brings that in. And I thought of this song when I was thinking about well, American Idol, and you're going to Hollywood, and and all that kind of stuff. And um, this song is about like an average person who who isn't really going for it with their life, but um, every weekend uh, they're trying to get their little place in the spotlight.
2: Okay, wait, 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 Mike. I know you're going for it, but before you do it, yes, I have to. I just have to stop you because I have to say. Congratulations. This is our 40th episode. Hey, forty four zero four zero. So, you know what that means? N- no. Well, I don't have any cake or champagne or anything like that, but I can tell you and maybe you can even tell me where the show notes are for this because I know everyone's going to want to check out those links and those pictures you have, right?
1: They're going to Yes, they are. And that's going <laughs> to be at othersidepodcast.com/40.
2: Right. And now the song, so, which will also be at that link, and you can download it, and you can listen to it, and uh, you can contact us and let us know what you think about it. But the song is called what? Spotlight.
0: always did what she was supposed to do She never cried or complained But she never knew where she's going to If this was right, why was it so mundane? Looking back was a bad dream Of near misses and lost opportunities But when she picks up that mic at Friday karaoke She's finally who she wants to be It's Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey And not the drama of her life An American Idol that might be temporary She just wants a little place in the spotlight She always did what she was told to and thank you Yes, sir, and no, ma'am But no one cared what she was going through Work at this, study that Marry him and don't look back Cause what she saw was a bad dream Of near misses and lost opportunities But when she picks up that mic at Friday karaoke She's finally who she wants to be. It's still Istanbul, Mariah Carey, and not the drama of her life. An American Idol that might be temporary, she just wants a little place in the spotlight. a bad dream of me, misses and lost opportunities but when she picks up that mic at Friday karaoke she's my little she wants to be it's Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey but not the drama of her life an American idol that might be temporary wants a little face. As Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey, but not the drama of her life. And American Idol that might be temporary. She just wants a little face in the spotlight. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. It was meant to frighten me. It did.